Amen. Amen. It's good to be with you guys today. And as you can tell, I'm a little bit under the weather. I've been laying on the couch for the last two and a half days, but I love you so much that I wanted to come and preach this sermon to you. We got a little vision refresh we're going to do. And so just bear with me. I've got all kinds of medications in me, not prescribed, just ones that I've made up. So I can be a little loopy sometimes. Uh, all of our campuses, wherever you're at, Bloomington campus, love you guys, and especially the 11 o'clock service. You're going to be watching this on video today, so God bless you, and uh, we're glad that you're joining us online. Becky from North Carolina, Alicia from Colorado Springs, John and Sarah from Anna Marie Island in Florida, and Randy and Barb from Nevada. God bless you guys, and thank you for being here with us today. If you're new, um, we're glad you're here. Don't come close to me because you'll get something, okay? But if you're new, text hello or go to the family room as soon as this service is over, and we'd love to get to know you. We believe God's doing something special here. And uh, so it's kind of a surreal day when you sneak in the back and you sneak on stage, and I'm going to walk off as soon as I'm done uh, today, and uh, I can't hug any of you all, but I love you all with the love of Jesus, so it's good to be with you today. Let's get in the Bible today, Daniel chapter 2. Last week, um, we uh, started this story in Babylon of Daniel and his friends coming in captivity. And um, today in Daniel 2, our story shifts uh, to the bedroom of the king Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. Have any, any of you ever had dreams at night that were either weird or confusing or puzzling and just kind of kept you up all night and you wake up in the morning going, whoa, what was that? Uh, that's what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar in chapter two, I'm not gonna read all of this. I'm trusting you'll go do that today when your team starts losing in the playoffs, all right? Uh, but Daniel chapter two, verse one says that he had these dreams, Nebuchadnezzar had these dreams and he was troubled in spirit and sleep left him. So what, what does the king of Babylon do when he's had these dreams all night and he's confused and he's scared and he's, he doesn't know what's going on? Well, he thinks to himself, I, self, I have wise men and I have enchanters and I have magicians and I have astrologers. All these guys specialize in telling me what's happening in the spiritual realm. And so he calls them all in and he just says, hey guys, I had a dream last night. And I need you guys to interpret, tell me what's going on. This is all in the Bible, by the way. And this is one of those stories in the Bible. I go, if you say the Bible's boring, you've not read much of it. Because he begins to say, guys, I need you all. He brings in the smartest guys in his land, the ones who are doing all the reading of the stars and all the soothsaying and the ma magical stuff. And he says, I need you guys to tell me what this dream is about. And they, in verse four, they say, that's great, king. Just go ahead and tell us what the dream is and we'll interpret it for you. And he goes, no, 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 my word is firm. In verse five, you are supposed to make known to me the dream and its interpretation. You, you not only have to tell me what this dream is about, but you need to tell me the dream so I know that you guys really are connected. And then he gets really uh, angry elf on him in verse five. He says, if you don't tell me, I'll have you torn limb from limb and your houses will be laid to ruin. So the stakes are pretty high. And the wise men go, no man can do this. This is impossible. You're asking something impossible of us. Only the gods can do this. And in verse 8, I love this. Um, you can see that he really is doubting his magicians. He's doubting his, his, his sorcery guys. He's doubting his uh, people who are supposed to be able to read uh, the stuff that's e eternal. And uh, he says in verse 8, he says, you've agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time passes. You're stalling. 
And so it comes down to, they're like, you're asking something impossible. He goes, okay, Arioch, the commander of my army, I want you to go kill all the wise men in the world, or in my kingdom. All the wise men, just put them to death. I'm tired of these guys. They don't know what's going on. They don't know my dream. They're done. And so Arioch, the commander, goes, and he eventually gets to Daniel. And Daniel says in verses 15 and 16, what is the deal? Why is the king so upset? And he tells them the king's matter, and I've said all that to set up where we begin reading today in verse 17, as we learn um, what it means to be fearless in Babylon. You think Daniel's scared now? (laughs) He should be. Verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah and to Mishael and to Azariah and his companions, and he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. And we have, and have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Now let's go on down. He, he goes and says, hey, Ariok, I got it. I know the dream and I know the interpretation. Get me in the presence of the king. I'll save the lives of all the, the wise men in Babylon. And then um, the king says to Daniel, hey, do you know the dream and what it means? He goes, yeah. Verse 27, Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that God has asked, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the last days, your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in the bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made it known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of my wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Let's ask the Lord to pray with us, be with us, speak to us. God, would you come in this place now? Would you give me strength to say what you want me to say and nothing else, nothing more, nothing less? I just desire to represent to these people who I live in Babylon with and how it is we're supposed to survive as fearless followers of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would just encourage our hearts today. Many here today are just as puzzled and scared as the people in this story. And so I pray that you would help us learn about what it means to seek you in prayer, to be the people of God that you want us to be in the middle of this world. God, would you speak now, not only in this place, but to every person sitting in every room and every place they're watching all over the world online. I pray that you would do something miraculous and amazing now in this time. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, remember we said last week that Babylon is the historical place of exile for the people of God, and we really can get a a worldly picture of what it's like for us. Babylon is this place where God doesn't matter, God's not honored, God's ignored, God's stamped out, and you and I live in increasingly the same place where we try to follow Jesus Christ, but the ways of Jesus Christ are not honored. 
And so how is it that we live in Babylon like Daniel and these three exiled friends of his? I want to remind you, and we're going to try to give you a word every week. This week, uh, the word is prayer. Last week, we said the way we're going to get through Babylon, remember they were in training to become the wise men, and they were offered all this food. They resolved not to eat what Babylon was serving. Uh, Babylon is a place where you have to have resolve. Some of you guys have done the 10-day challenge. It's been great to hear all that you're doing. But today, it becomes a little bit uh, different because last week, it's black and white. This is the way God lives, and this is the way the world lives, and we choose not to do that. This week, it's just Babylon is mysterious. That's the word that's used there. I'm going to start with this idea. That word is used over and over. I give you a hint on how you start writing sermons. When you start writing a sermon and you see a word repeated about 5,000 times, the sermon might be about that. Even I can figure that out. And you see the word mystery over this mystery, this mystery, this dream is a mystery that's revealed to Daniel. In verse 22, he reveals deep and hidden things. He reveals mysteries in verse 28. Babylon is mysterious because we don't have all the answers. Babylon's mysterious because there's a lot of confusing things that go on in this world. And as God's people, life can be very mysterious as we're living as exiles in this land called Babylon, and we're trying to figure out how to survive. We know what to say no to because that's Babylon food. But what do we do when life is just mysterious and painful? Well, there's two parts of the story here. First of all, life in Babylon is mysterious And that leaves Nebuchadnezzar confused. He just wakes up from a dream and says, what was that about? Now, I don't have any idea. Like, you know, I'm quick, I'm really quick to get things out of my mind. There's not a lot of ram up there, so I got to move things on, right? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he keeps dwelling on it. If I had a dream like Nebuchadnezzar, I probably would just wake up and go, well, that was weird, and go on being king. But for something was in him, something spiritual, I believe God speaking to him was saying, hey, this dream is significant, and he couldn't let it go. He had this dream about this big statue, and I'll explain it in just a moment, but this big statue had a a head of gold, it had arms and chest of silver, and it had a stomach of bronze and legs of iron and feet of iron and clay mixed together. And then a big boulder comes to destroy it all. And then he wakes up, and he says to himself, that was weird. That's mysterious, but he's assuming, he's thinking that some kind of uh, a sign must be a part of this. And I believe that, that in this confusion of, of King Nebuchadnezzar, you and I can relate to that. We live in a Babylon that's confusing sometimes. Why do little kids get sick? Why, why do good people die? Why is it when you're trying to live for Christ, life seems to fall apart and not line up? Why is it that really great Christian parents have kids that sometimes will go astray? Why is there injustice? Why do kids live in poverty? Why, why do we have to struggle with mental illness and, and, and all the, the, the stuff that's going on in this world? Um, you know, why are we confused when we have lots of stuff but we're not happy? Why is it that we're so lonely in this world that's so connected? It's mysterious, isn't it? There's some times that we just wake up and we go, I don't understand it. This doesn't make sense to me. Most of us right now are experiencing something that doesn't make sense. It It doesn't make sense to us. We're a lot like Nebuchadnezzar in these instances where we go, man, something's going on and God's in control and I'm in Babylon and I don't get it. Anyone? But on top of that confusion, then it leads to 
Daniel and his friends. Life in Babylon is mysterious and that can be confusing. It also can lead to being scared. And they have every good reason to be scared. They are threatened. It's a life and death situation. All the wise men are being killed. They're being executed. And guess what they are? They're wise men. (laughs) This is not good. Now, I know that when we read this passage, you're going, wait a minute. Daniel and his boys, Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, they're brave. They don't show any fear. That's just because they didn't write it down. They're scared. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. Sometimes we read men and women of the Bible who are great faith and great heroes of faith, and we go, oh, man, I wish I had the courage that they had. They don't have any more courage than you and I. They're scared. If I come into your house and say, I'm going to kill you today because you're a wise man, which I'll never have to worry about, but (laughs) amen from the wife. (laughs) Pray for her. I'm a lousy, lousy, lousy patient. Anyway, uh, so uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, So they're, they're scared because their life is on the line. And life in Babylon for God's people often comes with fear. There are things we can't control. What did Daniel and his guys do? Nothing. They were just wise men, and all of a sudden, the the king of Babylon gets sideways, and he wants to kill them all, and life is like that. Why Why did some people get cancer? Why do some people have health issues? Why do some people struggle with marriage? Why some people want to be married, and they're not married? Why are your parents divorcing? Why is your career over? Why is the economy so bad? Why can't you overcome this habit or this addiction? It's scary stuff. And most of us live in a place, and if you were honest with yourself, you would just say, there's some scary stuff in my life. There's some things I don't get. There's things I don't understand. And what do we do when the mystery of confusion and fear is overwhelming? Maybe even life and death stuff. Well, the message of Jesus Christ and fearless following Jesus and fearless in Babylon, I want you to hear this, is not dig deeper, be tough, do better, Muster up some courage. Have a little more faith. Try harder. If Daniel would have given a rousing speech to just be brave, this book would end after two chapters. He could have said, Mishael, Azariah, Hananiah, listen, just be brave. Be brave. Suck it up. Get stronger. Be tougher. And they would have been killed. We have to do something in our walk with Jesus Christ that is more than just relying on our strength and our power to overcome the stuff that's in our world. There's gotta be something more than that because Babylon is mysterious, it's confusing, it's scary. You don't have to be a sports fan to know the name Damar Hamlin. Almost two weeks ago, tomorrow night, I was watching, like many of you, Monday Night Football with this young man in great physical condition, suddenly had cardiac arrest and he lay on an NFL football field dead. I mean, it, 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 it shook everybody. You know what didn't happen in that moment? There were no sports slogans that mattered. There was no let's get tougher that mattered. There were grown men hugging each other and crying on the field. There were grown men who maybe do or do not know Jesus Christ holding hands and praying for God to deliver him. There's Tan Orlovsky, who wasn't a great quarterback, but man, he was a great prayer on ESPN. Did you see this prayer? He prayed a God-Jesus prayer on ESPN, right? Amen? But here's the deal. We come to a place in all of our lives where we go, I can't overcome what's facing me. 
I can't fix it. I can't overpower it. I can't cliche my way out of it. I can't get stronger. Sometimes life in Babylon, mysteriously and confusing and scary, just says, you got to have something else. And that's what we see in verse 26 and 27. Sorry, 27 and 28. I love this response. Daniel, after he's revealed, this mystery's revealed to him, he goes to the king and the king says, okay, smart guy, you know what's going on. And Daniel says, I know what's going on, but not because I'm a smart guy. In verse 27, no wise men, no enchanters, no magicians, no astrologers can show the king the mystery. Look in verse 28. Here it is. This is how you survive in Babylon when it's scary and mysterious and confusing. But there is a God in heaven there's a God in heaven for you. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're dealing with, Daniel gives us the line for this day and every day in Babylon. He gives us the understanding of what this sermon is all about. Life is mysterious. Life is scary. Life is <laughs> all these, these um, confusing things. But there is a God in heaven. The doctor may not be able to figure it out, but there's a God in heaven. The counselor may not be able to help you always, but there's a God in heaven your parents may not have advice. Your friends may fail, but there is a God in heaven. Your life coach may give you wrong advice, but there is a God in heaven. And this God in heaven reveals mysteries. So along with resolve from last week, we come to this living fearless in Babylon is constant prayer. It's a seeking mercy from this God in heaven. Those words there in verse 18, seek mercy, is a word that's often translated as prayer in the Bible. So if you're looking for the word prayer, there it is. Daniel says, listen, life in Babylon is mysterious, but there is a God in heaven who is in control. So let's seek his mercy. Let's pray and talk to him. There's a God in heaven who knows everything and has power over everything. Look in verse 20. I'm not making this up. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He's smarter than everybody. He's stronger than everybody. King Nebuchadnezzar thought he was strong. He thought he was in control. In fact, he did have literal power. He was king. He said in this story, my word is final. If you don't tell me the dream, you're going to die. And he was getting ready to execute that command, and Arioch was going to carry it out. Daniel knew this, but Daniel trusted one who was more powerful than the king. Let me ask you this today. Is there, is there a God in heaven who's more powerful than what you're going through right now? Is there a God in heaven who is in control of whatever it is that you're facing right now? That's how we survive Babylon. Daniel encouraged these two words with God that are still true today, themes throughout the entire Bible. Number one in verse 18 is seek. Guys, when we're in trouble, when Babylon is scary, when Babylon is confusing, we can always seek God. It's a truth of the scripture. And here's what I want to tell you about prayer, because prayer, this is an aha for us. Many of us just roll right into prayer and say, God, here's what I want. Do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Amen. That's not, what prayer, that's not what prayer begins with. Prayer is more than seeking God to do stuff. Prayer is seeking God himself. Because if you can get God in your world, it will feel like you're in more control. If you try to do it on your own, you won't. Seeking God is throughout all the scripture. In Psalm 77 verse 2, it says, seek him when you're in trouble. 
In Hebrews eleven six, it says, God rewards those who seek him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. There's a God who wants to be found. He wants you to seek because he's right there. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ today, here or watching online, would you talk to one of our hosts online or would you talk to somebody in the family room when this is over? Guys, God wants to be sought. He wants to be found by you. He's gone to great lengths to make it happen. Jesus said it this way, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Guys, there is a promise that if you seek God in the middle of your confusion and your fear or both, that if you seek God, the one to whom belongs wisdom and might, that he will be found. Prayer is faith that whatever life may look like or feel like, there is a God in heaven who's in control. He's in control. Doesn't matter what your bank account says. Doesn't matter what your, your landlord says. Doesn't matter what your kids say. Doesn't matter what your health says. There is a God who's in control. And when you seek him, you understand that. And not only can you seek him, but look what it says here. You can seek his mercy. Seek his mercy. There is a God who's merciful. God is not just in control of everything. God is merciful. God cares. He has a heart for us. Isn't it great? He could just be powerful. He could just be powerful and in control of everything and say, don't talk to me and I don't care. That's what a lot of people in power do. But God says, seek me because I want to be a part of your life and I will have mercy on you. If there's a God who's in control and whom we can seek and who has mercy, then why wouldn't we pray more? I believe, and I'm, I'm giving away the, the end of the story here. Here's the way we're going to survive in Babylon, be fearless in Babylon. We're going to say no to the world, and we're going to resolve not to eat with the world serving, and we are going to pray. And we're going to pray like we've never prayed before. And one of the reasons we're not connected to Jesus Christ as much as we want to be is because we don't pray enough, Christians. And God's asking us. Here's the best prayer that you can pray sometimes. I've prayed it many, many times. God, have mercy. That's all I got. You see? You know what's going on? Just have mercy. Just be you. Just be who you are. Don't get merciful. Don't have a moment of mercy. Just be you because God is merciful. Life in Babylon is mysterious, but there's a God in heaven who's in charge Seek him. Life in Babylon is mysterious, but there's a God who changes things. So seek mercy. I don't want you to think that this is just about, you know, some kind of experiential thing where you go, well, life still stinks, but God's with me, so that's okay. That's true, by the way. But God also is in the business of changing stuff in our life. God is in the business of making things better, Lewis says what Daniel says when he receives this vision. Uh, he says in verse 21, this is his song of praise to God. God changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Remember, Daniel was told by God the interpretation of the image, and it was about kings and kingdoms. The gold head was Nebuchadnezzar. You can read this later in Jan uh, Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel says, you're the head of gold. Your kingdom is better than all the other ones. And this is like successive kingdoms that are going to happen. The next, the next one, a lot of scholars believe, is Darius the Mede. 
And he's a little less strong, but he's pretty strong. He's silver. And then along comes Cyrus the Great, the Persian king. By the way, Daniel served under four kings when he was, when he was 70 years in exile. Daniel literally got to see, oh, you're the king? Oh, no, now you're not. Oh, this is the kingdom? Oh, no, now it's not. Oh, it's Babylonian? No, it's Mede. Oh, it's Mede? No, it's Persian. Literally, he got to see the transference of power, and what he came to understand, it's clear, kings and kingdoms come and go. And we think it's armies, and we think it's power, and we think it's man's wisdom, but really, it's God who removes kings and sets up kings. That's how it works. So Daniel, if there is a God who changes things, if there's a God who shows the kings and kingdoms that are coming and he changes times and seasons, then why can't we seek mercy for him to bring change in our life? In fact, I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to ask him to bring change to our circumstances. For the pain and the confusion and the fears of Babylon, we can through prayer appeal to God. That's what they were doing, guys. Listen, here's the prayer. Verse 17, he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven. Now, do you think they had to like, go around the circle and share prayer requests? This is their small group. I mean, they could have prayed lesser prayers. They could have prayed, hey, Lord, just take him out. Just take out Nebuchadnezzar. Lord, just spare us. Lord, help us hide. Lord, make this easier. They could have prayed a lot of lesser prayers. What they were seeking was, Lord, don't let us die. They're asking God to make a major change. We are the wise men that are, that are on the chopping block. We are literally uh, on death row, and we want you to change something. They're seeking God to save their lives. My question for you today is, what are you dealing with that you need God to change? And have you given up on asking for it? Because God changes things. Can he change this country? Yeah. Can he change your neighbor? Yeah. Can he change your health? Yeah. Can he change just about anything that's happening with your family, your marriage, your kids, your future, your past? Listen, you may not be able to change your bad diagnosis, but there's a God in heaven who can. You may not be able to change your child's special needs, but there's a God in heaven who can change things. You may not have the strength to salvage a broken friendship, but there's a God in heaven who changes things. Your mental state may make you feel powerless, but there's a God in heaven who can change things. You may not have enough money to pay the rent, but there's a God in heaven who can pay the rent. He can do anything he wants. He's the God of change. There's a God in heaven who changes things, who hears our prayers and works in our lives according to our request. I, I don't understand it. And it's really hard to believe sometimes how God would listen to me and you and say, okay. But there it is. James, the brother of Jesus, no less in the first century, he was the pillar of the, the church, maybe the head elder of Jerusalem church. The prayer, here's what he says. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. What's James saying? Elijah had a connection with God because he's super spiritual. He's a prophet. Don't try this at home. No. Elijah's a guy just like me and you. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And you might be saying, well, I'm not righteous. Well, if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, you are. If you have him covering your sin, 
and you're forgiven, you're a righteous person in the sight of God. And when you pray, God listens. And by the way, the more prayers, the merrier. Daniel could have just said, I got to get on my knees and pray, but he called his three buddies. And I'm assuming some other buddies and said, hey guys, we got to seek the God of heaven. We got to seek him to change this verdict because I'm not ready to die yet. And I think God's got more. Now, if you were here today and you're a skeptic and you're going, you know, this Daniel story is cute. And God revealed to him the, the dream. And, and you hear testimonies of other Christians and you say, well, that, 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 you know, that's, that's a nice story. People get healed. People, people have cancer taken away. People uh, that are infertile have babies. You know, th that's cute Christianese. I'm just telling you that I've seen thousands of miracles, thousands in my lifetime and in my ministry. And they've been changes that God has made because his people have sought him for change. You may think it's coincidence. All I would tell you is the more I seek God and with the people of God, the more coincidences happen. That's the way it works. And God encourages us to pray in this way. There is a God who not only changes circumstances in the Babylon of our existence, but most importantly, he changes people. Guys, that's why we're praying for Love McLean County. That's why I'm carrying this card and asking you to carry this card I believe that if we pray for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ, he will move them. He can change them from who they are into whom he wants them to be. Do you ever notice the salvation story in here that's amazing? These, these astrologers, these soothsayers, these, these enchanters, these wise men who don't care about God. You know what he did? Through Daniel's vision, he saved them. He's in the business of saving people. He's in the business of taking people who are far from him, that the people of God who have already been changed, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you might look at the people you're praying for and go, they don't have a chance. That's what somebody said about you one time. Everybody believed that about us at one point. Not a chance. And here we are. So we pray. I'll talk about that more in just a moment in the vision piece. But he changes us by his spirit. That's what's really amazing. Don't, don't forget to ask God to change you. The Holy Spirit living in us is changing us. Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite passages, I'm sure it's one of yours. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's working in you still. He changed me from what I was to who I am, and now he's still working on me. What an incredible promise. There's a God in heaven who changes things. Seek him. And also in the fearless, you know, mystery of Babylon, it is mysterious, but there's a God who reveals mysteries. So seek mercy from him. He knows, verse 21, the deep and the hidden things. And there are some things that I've just got to tell you that we'll never understand. There are some times when people come to me and they've had a hard time or something tragic has happened, I just have to look at them and say, I don't understand why, because I'm not God. But I also know that there are times that God reveals himself in a major way and, and says so clearly, here's what I'm up to. I love this passage. I won't go into it a whole bunch, but I love this passage that, that God is appealing to a pagan king he could have just said, I'm just going to let Nebuchadnezzar think he's all powerful and let him do his thing, and then I'll take him out when I'm ready. But he wants to appeal. He, he, he sends a dream to King Nebuchadnezzar. There's a story in there somewhere for someone here who feels like God has never revealed himself to them, and he, doesn't, and he seems far away. Well, you're here. 
Maybe this is his uh, call for you. And I believe that God is pushing for non-believers all the time to come to know his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. He does it with a pagan king. He does it with pagan astrologers. But Daniel's vision also reveals to him what's getting ready to happen. I think that God is given, giving Daniel direction on what his ministry is going to be. He's like, Daniel, not only are you going to serve Nebuchadnezzar, but you're going to serve his son, Belteshazzar. And you're going to also serve Darius the Mede, and you're also going to serve Cyrus the Great, and I'm going to use you to prophesy about the end time, the Son of Man, that Jesus Christ will be. And I think he's speaking and giving vision to Daniel. Remember we said last week that Daniel and his friends were really smart guys, and they could have tried to figure this out on their own, but they sought a higher wisdom. That's why James again says in the scripture, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. When's the last time you asked God to give you direction, wisdom for your parenting, wisdom for your finances, wisdom for your marriage, wisdom for your next job move, wisdom for whatever it is in your life that you're seeking. When's the last time, if God knows everything, then why in the world, by the blood of Jesus Christ, are we not coming to the throne of God and saying, hey, God, where should I go? That's what Daniel did. Daniel was smart. He, he, he could have maybe figured some stuff out in his own wisdom. But when life in Babylon is confusing or scary and it's mysterious, we, can't, we can either try to figure it out on our own or we can seek God for direction. One of the things I want you to know about Eastview Christian Church, the leaders, the elders, the staff leaders, we are committed all the time to seeking God's direction. And we often pray this prayer, God, we're going to go this way. We think it's what you're doing. If it's not where you want us to go, slam the door. We'll stop. If it's where you want us to go, open the door. We'll run. God, you, you have to direct us. And I hope that that becomes a part of the whole family of Eastview Christian Church. Guys, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. We should seek him. Ultimately, when you see the word mystery in here uh, and everything that's ever been mysterious about God or this life, every mystery is solved in Jesus Christ. Really, if you have any mystery going on in your world today, anything you can't understand, anything that is confusing, anything that's scary, if it seems mysterious, I'm going to give you the answer. It's Jesus. He is the, he's the solving of all things mysterious. In Colossians 2, Paul prays that being knit together in love, we might reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This story in Babylon has a king who's confused and doesn't know what in the world to do. And three young Hebrew boys, four young Hebrew boys are scared because they don't know how to get out of where they're at. But because Daniel and his friends seek God, seek mercy, because they pray, they're able to live fearlessly and interpret the dream. So we seek mercy through constant prayer. We resolve not to eat what Babylon's serving. We seek mercy through prayer. And we are fearless in Babylon. Amen.